Ephesians 4.29 is our verse, at least for my, my sermons. And one way that you could translate it could be, let him or let her, or they must allow, or he or she must not allow any putrid word to proceed from their mouth, but one that is good to build up of the need that it may give grace to those who are hearing. And again, this is in the context of spiritual warfare. If I was to ask you, when do you generally fight spiritual warfare in your own life? When is it the most heated time for you to be in a spiritual warfare battle? When would be that time? That's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer that out loud. But I want you to think about it. When would that time be? Probably for me, it's Sunday morning getting ready for church or on the way to church. It's probably the most, or Saturday night, the most heated time of spiritual warfare. And it's probably the most heated time, intense time of spiritual warfare in terms of words. Does anybody else ever struggle with intensity of words when you're getting ready to meet with God's people and worship the Lord? Very, it's sad in one sense, but it's also very ironic (laughs) that as we are seeking to meet together for worship, to prepare ourselves to get there, to be with God's people, to worship God and all of his glory can be a, a very intense time of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare in the sense that it can be a great temptation to use harsh language. Language that is uh, impatient or maybe scolding or language maybe that's, that's heated or accusatory. And I'm not speaking that against any member of my family. I'm speaking that against who? Against me. I can remember one time Lisa told me, and I've shared this with some of you before, said to me, Tom, you're angry right now. And my response was, I am not angry. If I would be angry, I would be yelling. I'm not yelling, so obviously I'm not angry. And then I kind of just walked off. I think it was Thomas that came to me and was like, Dad, you're really angry at Mom right now. <laughs> what? Stop, I'm not angry. And so, yes, I was. So then I had to go back to Lisa and say, I did two sins. I lied and I was angry. And again, for me, my temptation, the older I get in my life, especially maybe from because of the background that I came from, there were some sins in my life that went quick. One of those was using really strong curse words. Those were laid aside. And even uh, a, a huge temper, especially with, with fighting, that those all went away pretty quick. And even yelling, I think, went away pretty quick. But there are, are deeper issues. 
And some things that are sinful may not necessarily be as extravagant or obvious. There can be some subtle sins such as maliciousness, even in terms of how we talk, uh, vengeful speaking, or a type of subtleness where we're trying to cut the other person down, even and I think at times especially, those that we love the most, verbally we hurt the most, which should not be. And that is a realm of spiritual warfare. And if we want to have victory over Satan, we can be great evangelists. We can have you know, all the reformed solas and be really prideful about that. But if we're not kind with our words, then really we're not winning in the spiritual fight, I can remember at a certain seminary that I know very well, there was a professor and we had him speak at Grace Community Church. And this professor, I think Lisa, you might have been there, preached this sermon. And for the first five minutes, he joked about his wife the whole time. Not in a good way, in a, a way that was kind of putting her down. And this was to a singles group. And I can tell you that 90% of the people in that singles group immediately turned him off in their minds. And I've heard that done many times by different speakers and their sermons to mock their spouse. And that is losing spiritual warfare. So what I'm saying as we start tonight, again, when we... Think of this word, let Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The, temp, the first thought in our minds, and it's true, but, but it's more than this, could be, well, I, I didn't curse. I didn't use a four-letter word, or I didn't use God's name in vain. But there could be maliciousness, there could be gossip, there could be slander, there could be self-exaltation, there could be all kinds of things. With how you're speaking to somebody, there could be lying. There could be incredible exaggeration all the time. And so we want to be careful about those kinds of words where we're being overly critical with people. And especially that can happen with spouses over a period of time. And even with parents to children and even with children to parents as well. Where... It's no longer constructive criticism. It's just a critical spirit. And out of that comes these words. And we saw that earlier this afternoon. But to summarize the main point, we said this. Replace your garbage words with the words of grace. And when you do that, that's when you win in the spiritual warfare. That's how you win against Satan. And we said that's really how you kick the devil in the face. It's not that you go on a mission trip. I've had people come to India on short-term mission trips that probably shouldn't have come, not because they cursed, but because they were really spiritual immature, and the way they joked around verbally was really bad. Everybody else but themselves was made fun of. They lost in spiritual warfare. And so what we said, first of all, if you want to replace garbage words with words of grace, we said you have to talk yourself into it. Talk yourself up. Tell yourself you can do it through Christ because of Christ. 
But second, do you remember the second point? The children should remember. What was the second point? Who let the dogs out? Who let the dog? Woof, 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 woof. But, but our point isn't who let the dogs out. What, what, what's that? Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And our point, we said this afternoon, have that same tune in your head. But we say don't let the bad words out. Don't let the bad words out. But we call them garbage words. Don't let the garbage out. Don't let out of our mouths. Don't let the garbage out. So those were the first and second points. Now the third point is this. The third point is this. Replace the garbage with good supplements. Now, when I was growing up, I don't think I ever heard the word supplements, ever, ever. But now I think the past 10, 15 years, it's very popular, and I I take supplements. I love supplements. I could probably live off of supplements. Well, here in our passage, when it says right here in verse 4 and in verse 29, when it says, don't let these putrid words come forth from your mouth, but only that which is good for edification, it's, it's the idea of a supplement. Why would you take a supplement? Because you want to be healthy. Because you want to see good benefit to your body. And when you look right here at this word in verse 29, which says, but only such a word as is good for edification, that word good means benefit. What does goodness mean? If, if God is good to you, what does that mean? God gives you a what? He gives you a benefit. He gives you a blessing. That's the idea of the word good. There's something that's beneficial, something that improves you spiritually, physically, internally. In some way, there was a genuine improvement in your body or, or in your soul. And here, if you keep looking at verse 29, you can see right there is the conjunction but, and the Greek word is Allah, A-L-L-A. Not Allah, the name for God in Arabic, but there's a Greek term. Kai would be and, like our English and. Here it's Allah, and it's often the idea of replacement. So in other words, it'd be like this. Take out the garbage words and replace those with good words. And we've mentioned this before. It's not just... From henceforth and forever, I will no longer use any more potty words. Potty words meaning not just a curse word, but even grumbling. Even grumbling could be a, a potty word, according to this verse. And it's not, I resolve never to use potty language ever again. No, it's, I, I'm not going to use words that don't love God or love others. That's true, but I'm going to replace it with something else. I'm going to use words that love God and love others. I'm not just going to be negative. I'm also going to be positive. I'm not just going to not do something. I'm going to do something. Put off, put on. That's what this verse is saying. And even in this whole section already, earlier it said put off the old man and we're going to be putting on the new man. And one of the ways that we do that, God through his spirit regenerates us in Christ And then because of that, 
then we want to have actions and attitudes of the new man. And part of that deals with how do we talk to one another? How do we relate to one another in terms of our words? So keep looking at this verse, again, verse 29, where it talks about not words that... You can even look down further. Verse 31, that are... Verse 31 and 32 aren't restricted to words, but would involve them. Words that are not filled with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice, but rather, verse 32... We're going to be kind and tender-hearted, loving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you and walk in love. Now, this doesn't mean you're sappy. This doesn't mean you're sappy. Like, I had a roommate, I, I'm not joking, at 5 o'clock or 5.30 in the morning, I would, uh, I'd wake up because <clears throat> I would hear him. He'd be having his quiet time at 5 or 5.30 in the morning. And then he would say, bless you. 5.30 in the morning. Bless you! And I was like, uh, what? Bless you! Bless you! Bless the Lord! And eventually I said, you know what? It's too early. Stop telling me to bless the Lord. I, I need to sleep longer. So this verse is not saying that there's a type of sappiness or what could sound like false spirituality where you go around just blessing people and saying, maybe... And in an artificial way, the Lord is good, 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 the Lord is good. This verse is saying more than that when it says to let words that are good for edification come out of your mouth. It's not a type of sappy Christianity, but it has true intentional purpose to benefit the other person for the need that they have. Look back at verse 29. And note what it says, according to the need. And the New Testament Greek is going to say a, a good word, a word that benefits someone, that will edify, that, that will build them up, that will cause them to grow in Christ of the need, is what the text says, of the need that they have. What need does this person have? I'm going to be, by God's grace, seek to be conscious enough to use language that can help that person in their need. You can think about Jesus. When Jesus, with, with the woman at the well, he spoke specifically to her, but it was different than how he spoke to Nicodemus which was different than how he spoke to the rich young ruler, which even then was different than how he spoke to the Pharisees. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he didn't say, woman, you're a whitewashed sepulcher. That's not what he said, because he was speaking, look back at verse 29, he was speaking according to the need of the moment. All of us have different needs, and certainly we're not Christ, and so we can't read people's minds and know every detail of the situation of their life. But there is type of a specific intentionality that it, it, 
if we're able and God gives us wisdom, we're going to seek not just to like take a sword with our words and just rip people apart or a big hammer and squash people with our words, but rather we're going to seek to specifically bring comfort or healing or if we have to, correction, but in a way which is skillful and wise. And, you know, being married for... 24 years soon. Lisa now knows there are some ways that I can take criticism and other ways which it's harder for me to take some criticism. And I should be of such a maturity that I can take any kinds of criticism. But I'm not quite there yet. And so Lisa then will use skill to be thoughtful and appropriate in her carefulness to talk to me in a certain way that I would be more inclined to hear it. And I believe that this is getting at what verse 29 means when it it says, speak words that are good, that is benefit, to build up the other person so that that need that they have can be addressed. And again, we're not always going to know a person's need spiritually, emotionally. But whenever we do know that, then we pray. We can pray very carefully and very quickly. Remember, Nehemiah 1, right before Nehemiah was going to speak to the king, he speaks this like moment, you know, like three-second prayer, and and he's done. Nehemiah, I think it's chapter 2 at the very beginning. And we can do the same thing when we're talking to people, is that we're conscious of the Lord. We'll talk about this in a moment wants to use me, this is an opportunity for me to speak good into a person's life, how can I do that? Is it comfort? Is it correction? Is it a challenge? Is it just to be a friend? Maybe it's just a listening ear. Maybe it's a verse God wants me to share. But I have this intentionality. And in fact, in verse 29, there are these words even when it says for edification, that word for, pros, is uh, the Greek text. And it's the idea of toward, even uh, a, a purpose. Is that we speak not just flippantly, but we have speech that we uh, design to bless others. And I'm not saying it's, I am not saying that it's wrong just to chew the fat. But this verse is saying that if you want to correct potty mouth, replace potty mouth with language and speech that you were designing to help people and not hinder people. So on Sunday morning, if things are intense, and as I'm the husband, the leader of the family, am I going to design words to help the family and to help my wife and kids? And I'm going to intentionally seek to do that around not just going to care, and then maybe that would be a, a hindrance. And then some words might be said that don't help but hinder their edification. They're being built up in Christ. How do we do this? That is, how, how do we get to a place? And again, I'm not saying every single conversation you're thinking in your mind, what's this person's need? What's this person's need? What's this person's need? What's this person's need? But rather, there is a I think a work of the Spirit of God 
whereas you are praying, you're in the word, you're meeting with Christ, where there develops within your mind and your heart this knowledge that you are a saint of God, you are a minister of God, and God wants you to speak into this person's life. And you seek to do that to help them, to be a blessing to them, and not to be a hindrance to them. So this is, again, the third point. The first point is to talk yourself into it. I can do all things through Christ. I'm, I'm regenerated in Christ. I can't change my poor habit of speech. Second, get the garbage out. And then, that's good, yes, yes. Never forget it. And then number three is not just get out the garbage, but you have to replace the garbage. Replace the garbage. You have to replace the garbage with good things, with good words. And the way this verse is written by the Spirit of God through Paul, is that you are designing words to be specifically used to help people and not to hinder people. Then number four is give grace, not garbage. Give grace, not garbage. Because if you remember what we said, that the main idea of this whole passage of verse 29 let no one let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is as good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Look at that last part: that it may give grace to those who hear. This is this fourth, the fourth point: give grace, not garbage. Our mouth should be a channel of grace, the grace of God. Now take your Bibles and look at verse 12 to 13. For as the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ and to be all attained to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man which belongs to the statue, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Look at this passage, especially verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for works of service. Some of your Bibles in verse 12, at least older Bibles said, for the works of ministry. And the, the reality is that if you're a believer, every believer here is a minister. Do we understand that? Do you understand that? You are a minister. Sometimes I have received a letter or a card, and on that letter or card, it will say, Minister Tom Shuck. Sometimes they say, the, one said, the Holy Reverend Tom Shuck. Reverend, no, uh, but I am a saint. It's true. Did you guys know I'm a saint? No? <laughs> I'm sure the believers in Corinth didn't know they were saints, but every believer is a, is a saint, and every believer is a minister. That is, a minister is somebody that just serves. In Ephesians 4, 12, and 13, it's saying every believer is a saint, and every believer is also a Minister, that is a man or a woman that serves God by serving the body of Christ. Well, if you look at our verse, verse 29 says, get out words of garbage, instead speak good words, and when you do it, give grace to those who hear. Give grace to those who hear. Give grace, not garbage. 
So do we and do you understand that you can be a minister of God's grace whereby you can channel grace to somebody else? Isn't that remarkable? You can be a channel of grace. We think, and it's 100% true, right? We, we don't mean the, the leather, but the word of God can channel grace. The spirit of God gives grace. God the Father, God the Son gives grace. But this verse, if you look at verse 29, says, Speak in such a way that you words, look at the end of verse 29, may give grace to those who hear. Did you ever think that you could be a channel of grace? You could be a channel of grace. What kind of grace are we talking about? Well, in context, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast. For you have been created a new workmanship of Christ in order to do good works, which he has performed, which he has made for you to do beforehand. This is amazing grace. Even if you were to look at Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, the first three verses, and we walked according to the curse of this world, the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air that now works in the sons of disobedience, and we lived according to the, the lust of our flesh and the lust of our minds, and we were children of wrath. And it says, but God being rich in mercy and great in love, for by grace you've been saved. This is this, this amazing grace. And even in Ephesians 2 7, it says, In order that in ages to come you might experience the surpassing riches of his grace toward us in Christ Jesus. This grace that made us alive in Christ, that has seated us up in Christ, that's given us the power of Christ. This is the grace of God. And then it says here in Ephesians 4 29 that we can talk in such a way that we can be channels of this amazing living grace of God, that it may give grace to those who hear. That's incredible. And so there's uh, two points that, that come out of this. Number one is what is your motivation? What is the motivation that you have when you're speaking to others, when you're talking with others? Is it to be a channel of grace? Do, do we even think that way? that I can be an instrument of God's grace. And do you want to be an instrument of God's grace? I, I try to think of it this way. Yes, I'm saved by grace. I'm, I'm kept by God's grace in Christ Jesus. But I can choose to either be a waterfall of God's amazing grace or I can be a waterfall of just putrid water. I can remember one time I was in India and we were on a bus ride from Kohapur, which means city of the wolves, back to Pune. And it was so hot. I mean, it's so hot and humid. And so the, the bus stopped because there was this big river, huge river. And about 50 people got off the bus and almost everybody except for this other Indian man and myself got in, in, into the river. Uh, and the people there, they, you know, they had their saris on and their, um, slacks on and their shirts and everybody clothes and all just got into the river. Just everybody got in the river. And this, this other man and I didn't get into the river. Why do you think we didn't get into the river? Cause just right up 
where the people were getting in, just right up from there was a whole herd of water buffalo in the river. And so that water was, it was potty water. <laughs> and so they were all trying to get uh, nice and cool, but it was potty water. Why do I bring that up? Because for them, that though it might have cooled them down, was that a good supplement for them? Would that benefit them? No. That would not bless them. It, it would hurt them. For the moment, it might feel good, but long-term, perhaps even quick-term, it would be potentially disastrous to their health. And I want to be sure, I, I want to try to seek to be sure that when I talk, that my words are not going to be a disaster in somebody's life, that it's going to be putrid like a putrid waterfall or a putrid river or a channel uh, of rottenness to them. But rather, I want to speak and talk to them in such a way, as much as by God's grace, I can do it. I want it to, to see God work through the words to bring them grace and then just to trust God to do his work. And I think of this verse, too, when I think of God's amazing grace. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 9, 8 of 2 Corinthians is also good, but this is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for his sake, sorry, for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is this grace of God that we can have flowing in our lives and through us to others. So even if other people are stinky toward us and hurtful toward us with their words, it doesn't really control me. I don't have to seek vengeance. I I don't have to match them, you know, strike by strike. I, I don't have to do that. Why? Because I'm filled and controlled by the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus. I know that they have a spiritual need. And not in, not in arrogance, but in humility, I, I seek to help them with that need and speak with wisdom. And by God's grace, maybe you see God use me to bring grace into their life. And though I may be a repetitive drum, I'm going to use the, the same couple of verses again. I think a lot of this has to do, that is, this problem at times with, with all of us having a type of potty mouth, you know, stinky words and attitudes and, and wanting to use barbed words at times. I think it has to do with not delighting in God and in Christ as we should. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are all those who take delight in him. Or even Psalm chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, Kiss the son, lest his wrath soon be kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Now, Psalm 63, 3, The loving kindness of God is better than life. And if we dwell close to God, and if we are doing what the Apostle Paul did, and glorifying Christ Jesus and counting everything else as rubbish, compared to the excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, then his spirit and his grace is flowing through my life, and I'm seeking to be a minister, a channel of God's grace.
I can either be a channel of putrid water and grind people down with my words, or I can be a channel of grace and build people up with my words. Which should I seek to do? And really, it's a choice when it comes down to it. And it's not something that's artificially mechanical. I spend time with God. I read his word. I meditate on his word. I pray. I, I seek his, his face. And God, through Christ and the power of the Spirit, will use you and use me to be ministers of his grace by how we talk and by what we say and what we don't say. Let me close this sermon again by talking about spiritual warfare. It's very easy to think spiritual warfare could be more political, and I hear this all the time, especially these days. Do you know, talk more like this, do you know what a great spiritual warfare? Because what if Biden wins again, and I'm not criticizing uh, President Trump, what if Biden wins again and Trump doesn't become president. This is spiritual warfare. You got to vote today. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that many times. So we can have on one end that spiritual warfare is, is politics. On the other hand, we can hear that spiritual warfare is really this kind of extra mystical type of where I, I fed and counseling sessions not here at Pilgrim, but where at Grace, where demons appear on people's heads and they see them. Remember, I had this man that came to our house to help us with the plumbing and angels appear with him and he sleeps with the angels and his bed and he thinks that that's spiritual warfare. It's true. <laughs> true story. That's not, that's insanity. That, that's not spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, at least in a large part, involves, I'm going to choose with my words to seek to be a channel of grace. That's spiritual warfare. And my prayer is, first for me, and then for you, to say, by God's grace, I'll seek. I'll seek to be a minister, a channel of God's grace through my communication. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are you are the minister of grace. You are the way, the truth, and life, and grace itself. And Lord, you weren't a soppy, milk-toast man-pleaser with your words. At times, you spoke forcefully and frankly, but always truthfully and always under self-control and always to the glory of God the Father. And so we pray that you'd help us to communicate in such a way, Lord, that we, like you, could be channels of the grace of God. And I pray, Lord, that starting with me and then the elders, that we would be channels that communicate your grace by what we don't say and by what we do say, Lord. We give you the praise and we give you the glory, Lord. Amen.